0: Connection Through Conversation Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational and always entertaining on Stacey Connects
1: Everybody, welcome to Stacy Connects. I am your host Stacy Heller. A reminder that at its heart this show is about making connections through conversation, asking questions instead of making assumptions and about engaging with the elephant in any room. Uh conversation. It's one of my favorite things. Eric and I before the show had a, tr- a chuckle because I was talking about how traveling for Thanksgiving is tricky because my Uh, In-laws like to sit around and chat, and I was like, "It's really hard for me to sit around and chat." (laughs) (laughs) And that is the response that I got. (laughs)
0: Because every week you sit around and chat. I sit around and chat. chat. I know
1: it's maybe it's because I just like to talk to myself. Um. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, right? (laughs) I mean, there might be some ego involved there. Uh, It's just. Maybe it's the fact that I get to be a little bit interactive and even though I'm not, I'm in a studio with you, but I can kind of, I don't know, fidget or move or something. And when I'm trying to be respectful and have a conversation with someone, it's very hard for me Yeah, to just like sit and focus. And so then I look like a jerk because I'm on my phone playing solitaire and not because I'm a jerk, but because I'm trying to focus and pay attention. So it's it's a little tricky. But anyway... That was just an aside. Uh, we had a good chuckle about that. So thanks uh, to those of you that actually listen to me conversing, whether it's live or later via podcast. Uh, you can also check out Don't Ask Me To Talk, the show that Eric and I do together. That airs live Thursdays from 3 to 4 on 880 Kixie. And you can also find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, a reminder that if you want to call into the show, this is live and you can call into 425-373-5527 or maybe you want to text me or leave a voicemail and let me know what you think or if you have an idea or a comment. And that number is 475-999-2726. So uh, my guest today hopefully is my son, Charlie. He literally gets off of work at 3 o'clock. He works at the Lego store in Bellevue, Washington. And so he's hopefully carefully making his way to his car from work and he will get here. So it works out well because for the first part of the show, I just chit-chat anyway and tell you about any of my conversations and observations. Now, he doesn't
0: have to assemble the car, does he? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, funny you ask. He did assemble a Ferrari oh,
0: wow. uh,
1: about two a weeks ago. A Lego Ferrari? A Lego Ferrari. And uh, it was really funny listening to him like he would come down with sort of each bag that he completed i mean this is one of these like three boxes multiple bags things and he was like here's this thing i'm like you mean the pistons and like here's this part and he's like oh the paddle shifter like or you know he is very good with the engineering piece as it pertains to legos however he's not really a car gearhead hmm so, no, he has not assembled his car, and he is not making his way <laughs> in his Lego car.
0: Well, that's good, because those seats are really uncomfortable.
1: Very, very. There's nothing worse than But you don't pop out
0: of them, so, you know.
1: Well, and fun fact, uh, or I don't know how fun it is. It's at this point been drilled into my head. You cannot say, I play with Legos. You can say, I play with Lego, or you can say, oh, I like putting together Lego sets. It is not plural. So for all of you out there, it is singular. I know you are all like, oh, thank God. Now I have this information.
0: I don't think anybody's going to change the way they say
1: it. 100% not. Especially when you are... uh,
0: It was always Legos when I was growing up, so...
1: Of course. And then when you step on them because your kids have left them out and, you know, you're like expletive, expletive, expletive. Yes, Legos. Right. (laughs) And then insert child's name there as well. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so we'll see what time he gets here, but... uh, so, first of all, hi, Mom. I think Mom is listening, maybe Mary, Jay. She is actually leaving Minnesota tomorrow to head back home for a little bit before she descends upon the West Coast to visit me. Uh, she's had an awesome time hanging out with Katie and Ryan and their two freaking adorable sons, Wyatt and Ford. Um, so, thanks for listening, Mom. And, you know, I miss the rest of the club. Uh Okay, Conversations, observations. So as I mentioned last week, I spent Thanksgiving in Rhode Island. And once again, I am struck by the difference between East Coast living and West Coast living. Uh, It is, you know, different uh, speed, traditions, food. When we left my sister-in-law's home she hosted us for thanksgiving and that's where my in-laws live as well uh we like to joke it's the compound uh not quite the kennedy compound however it's still a compound and um when we left their house we went and we had seafood i had you know my lobster roll and it's you know Three days after Thanksgiving and I'm having a lobster roll and Grace is having fresh oysters and, you know, boats are going by in Rhode Island and that's fabulous. People are definitely more preppy. I was like, oh, Uh, there's also just a different small town energy. Some of the towns that we went through and then the antique stores like the antique stores out here are like. Things aren't necessarily that old. When you go there, things are actually quite old.
0: Well, it took a while for you know westward expansion, I guess. So uh.
1: right, and when they were doing the Oregon Trail, I mean, all of you got to leave that stuff behind. (laughs) You got to leave that stuff behind, and so it took a while for all the stuff to catch up. Uh, So it's just it's a very interesting uh, thing that I notice. Every time I go back and I get to spend a little bit of time. Um, when you're not,
0: hanging out in Colonial Williamsburg?
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what we went uh, to a really cute little town in Rhode Island that I cannot remember what the name of it is. Um, I can't remember if it's Pogtuck or Pawtucket or what, like, yeah, <laughs> like legit. hog <Clow-hog>. Right, exactly. Hog. <laughs> um, I think that's in New Jersey, actually. Uh so all these little towns and, you know, went into this Italian food market that makes fresh pasta and bread and cannoli and, uh, you know, just the town that just has this. I don't know. It has a Hallmark vibe. That's what it is. Like the Hallmark movies where the movie starts and they do like the wide shot of the city and then the next scene is like the little town and, you know. There's a gazebo and there is a Christmas fair and you know people are carolers are dressed in full uh regalia, the whole thing. Um, that's what it feels like. And here, not so much. It's not it's not better or worse, it's just different. So um also let's talk about aging parents. Isn't that fun? So going to see my in-laws, my mother-in-law who years ago had double knee uh, replacement surgery, Uh, those suckers apparently wear out after a while. Um, I don't remember that happening on the bionic man, but I guess that's fiction for you. And so traveling is hard. Uh, I think she worries about if she falls down, uh, those kinds of things. And so they were going to come out and visit us over this past summer and didn't. Thus, why we all went to Rhode Island. And it's an interesting thing because I recall very clearly when my husband's grandparents, Gigi and Pop, were getting older and how stubborn they were about staying in their house and they didn't want to go somewhere else. And, you know, this is our home and who cares if I, you know, fall down the stairs? Um, You know, it's where I keep the extra olive oil, for God's sakes. And... You know, so there was that struggle and, you know, and now my in-laws are at this point. uh, They're very vibrant in their 80s, uh, early to mid 80s. That said, there's such a stubbornness and it's like, have we learned nothing? Uh, Now, of course, check back in with me in like 30 years and I will be, I'm sure, exactly the same way. It sort of makes me wonder, is there like a sweet spot where you have to like kind of Capture your parents and get them to go at a certain time. Now, this said, of course, my parents, uh, my dad, he, as we know from my uh, 10-year anniversary of Dad's Death Show, (laughs) uh, he passed away 10 years ago. And so mom's been on her own, and uh, she has lived in this community, Penswood where she hangs with the glop, the infamous glop. And she has loved that. It's a place for her to be social. She can get the uh, continuing care that she needs as her needs become more and more. Um, And so I think she and my father made that decision together as modeled by my dad's parents. And it's just so interesting to me watching how difficult it is to leave your home. It's like... The need to feel relevant and to feel like you're contributing in some way. I think my father-in-law loves helping out as much as he can, uh, participating in the care and keeping of the house and doing these things. And it's sad to me then that as you get older, you feel less relevant. And so, therefore, you know, you're holding on to these things to feel that relevance. Yeah. So... I mean, a bummer topic, but just one that's like weighing on me at the moment uh, and thinking about, you know, what do I need to do to uh, ensure that, I don't know, I don't maybe make the same decisions, but then every decision that everyone makes is like, it's got to be their own. I don't know. It's very tricky. I mean, honestly... Uh, I subscribe to my mom's belief where, like, go someplace and have someone wait on you, like, as often and early as possible. Like, mom jokes all the time about, you know, she gets on the plane and she's like, oh, I'm old. Can you put this bag up? And, you know, like, oh, I'm old. Can you do this for me? Oh, my husband died. Can you take care of this for me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever works.
1: Yeah. And and why not? You know, at that point, you get to choose the things you want to do, right?
0: Sure. You've earned it.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm
0: I'm relying on uh, either clone parts or robot robot parts <laughs> to uh, make sure that I, I'm able to do that stuff because I I can't ask anybody for for help. I know you're <laughs> not a, good about asking a problem. for.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to work on this uh, yes. because like Gertie is not gonna be able to do some things for you.
0: Sadly, at at that point, Gertie will have passed unless we get dog robot parts (laughs) to keep her going, which fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, well, right. There you go. You sound like Pete, who has like he is like, I am not going to be cremated nor buried. I'm going to be frozen because I know the day after I die, they will come out with some technology that will let me live forever. I'm like, why would you want to live forever? I don't know. Anyway,
0: that's a good question.
1: Okay, so my last thing that I want to talk about. Okay, on the plane home, I saw the best movie. Eric, have you seen Marcel the Shell with shoes on? (laughs) No. Okay. Obviously, it sounds totally random, and it is. I had heard about it because I listened to the podcast Smartless. And on Smartless, one of the guests that was on the show is Jenny Slate, and she helped to conceive of this character, Marcel, and she also voices the character. And they made like a a mockumentary about this uh, little shell that lived in a house and had befriended an amateur filmmaker. And it's... Marcel talking about his life and how he misses his family and, you know, uh, the couple that lived in the house, um, something happened. And so he thinks that all of the his family and community were abruptly taken away when they moved out. He thinks they're in the sock drawer like this very cute thing. And this Amateur filmmaker is putting these videos up, and people fall in love with Marcel, and um, and then he's on. Now, 16- oh, this is a
0: movie for kids, right? No, is it? It's.
1: I mean, it can be, but like animated, it's like a claymation almost. Okay, but it's like claymation mixed with like, you know, basically only Marcel is the claymation, and his grandmother. Okay, um, so
0: live action, with live
1: action, yes, animated, okay, and. It is, like, so philosophical. Like, Marcel is the wisest little shell ever. He gets to be on 60 Minutes with his hero, Leslie Stahl. And literally, the 60 Minutes crew is featured in this mockumentary. Uh, And at the end, he has this thing that he says. And I was like, this is so philosophical. He goes uh, to—I'm not going to give it away, but at the end of the movie, he goes to this particular space that— he likes and that brings him like peace and whatever and he talks about how um the wind goes through his shell and the sound that it makes um and it was like he says something like it connected me with how i felt right uh with everything because if i wasn't there the sound never would exist and i felt like everything was in pieces and then i stood there and suddenly we were one large instrument Um, And then at the end, he says, it reminds me I'm not just one separate piece rattling around in this place, but that I am part of a whole and I truly enjoy the sound of myself connected to everything. I'm on the plane with my Cheez-Its, extra toasty, like bawling about Marcel the shell with shoes on. So
0: Something about being up that high also, I think, (laughs) makes us you Know a little extra sensitive. I know that I've like kind of teared up at uh stuff that I wouldn't normally tear it up to watching uh you know in flight entertainment. Although, last thing I watched on a, a lengthy flight when they had the in flight entertainment was the uh Chernobyl, Chernobyl series. So, oh. you know, it's oh. a completely different vibe, <laughs> but but oh. still, you know. Eric. <laughs> You find yourself tearing up over like well, stuff I mean, uh, more when you're in the air in that, you know, in that position rather than
1: Well it's weird because you're alone, like we were on a Delta flight and so you have the, you know, in seat entertainment and you can pick whatever you want. And it's like being in your car and you know, like by the way, if you pick your nose while you're driving, people see it. Like, you're not as insulated as you think you are. Right. No, you're all
0: alone together.
1: Right. And so, you know, watching this, I'm like, (laughs) 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 and, you know, I'm just sort of like, does anybody notice that I'm tearing up about this claymation shell? So I highly recommend it. It is very well done. It is very sweet. It is worth the watch. and it's like it's funny at times. I don't know. It it has a ninety nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: All right. Well, it's on my list now. There you go. And um. the the Chernobyl uh, series, by the way, <laughs> very very good.
1: No doubt. But Depressing
0: like, as all get out, but <laughs> very compelling. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, you gotta you gotta be cheerier with your choices.
0: Well, you know, it was it was a long flight, so I had enough time to watch the whole series.
1: Okay, but still. Then I
0: put on some fluff after that.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. You need some fluff in your life. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, everyone should probably watch the documentary or series about Chernobyl. We should all know, like, you know, lessons and all that. But still, come on, man. All right. Uh, My stasiism for this week. So uh, this one is a little belated. I had... Something happened when I was in Italy, a good something. I was – it was the first night that we had arrived. We're hanging out on the rooftop bar. Uh, We had gone out to dinner and then – no, I think this was before we went out to dinner. Yep, before we went out to dinner. We were having a drink. We're tired. We're hanging out. I didn't know what I wanted. And the waiter, when I was uh, saying that I wanted to have something sweet but I didn't want like a big dessert and whatever – he said two words to me that I was like, this is like the ultimate that you want anybody to say to you. And those two words were simply tell me. Now, of course he said it in like an Italian accent and he was kind of cute. So there was that, Uh, but just this, like, tell me and like, explain it. Tell me what you want. Communicate with me, uh, you know, and then let me see what I can do. And, it's so rare that you hear somebody in life, certainly the service industry or wait staff or whatever it is, say, tell me. You know, I think about those, you know, travel during the holidays and, you know, something's going on or, you know, you've had a bad experience with something when you're shopping or whatever it is. And the fact that somebody just said, tell me and was like, share what's going on so that I can see what I can do to help. Uh, I think we need more tell me in our communication. And it would be a huge thing. Okay. Uh, With that, I'm going to take a break. Charlie's still not here. He says traffic is bad. But I am still going to talk about him as if he is here. And maybe he'll get here towards the end. So keep listening to Stacy Connects. I will be right back.
0: Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150KKNW.com.
1: Hey, welcome back to Stacy Connects. If you have a comment or a question or an idea, maybe you want to be a guest, don't forget you can text or leave a voicemail at 475-999-2726. Uh, you can also send me a DM through my Instagram, which is Stacy Talks. So, the reason that I asked Charlie to come on the show today, we've been talking a lot lately. He, uh, decided to withdraw from Santa Clara, where he was, uh, he completed his freshman year and take some time to figure out what he wanted to do next. And in January, he will start school at, uh, Seattle University. And, uh, so that's all great. Part of this past quarter, uh, if you will, from last summer through the fall, has been him figuring out, you know, who am I? What do I want to do? Uh, I don't know how how far he's gotten on that journey. Um, however, you know, he's had this opportunity to sort of think, reflect, and I've had the same. And one of the things that we have talked about is the influence of how he was raised maybe as opposed to how his siblings were raised. So there's really only two years difference between him and Grace, who's the third of the four kids. And so there's not a huge uh, age gap. And yet there's enough of one that it tends to be very often Annie, Will, and Grace and Charlie. And, you know, I sort of wonder if that is nature or nurture. And I actually, spoiler alert, I know the answer to that. It's both. Uh, You know, it's by virtue of the fact that you have four kids and, you know, you get to the fourth kid. And whereas with Annie, I made sure that, like, the entire earth was silent for her to take a nap. And nobody could, you know, breathe or make a move or do anything because she needed to sleep. By the time we got to Charlie, a literal marching band could go through uh, the house and he would not wake up. And so you learn some things with experience. Uh, You also, you know, you tend to not really sweat that small stuff. And you also are so busy doing the active parenting that's required of these three older siblings that that fourth child or fifth or whoever, however many it is, they tend to just kind of come along. And so Charlie was always coming along. And so with all that running around, when he was old enough, the thing that he wanted more than anything else was to be able to just stay home. And he has always been a computer and gamer kid. Now, another thing that's interesting between that, Two years between Grace and Charlie uh, computer games and uh, things like Leapster, which were really big when Charlie was uh, a little kid and the kids were little um, you know really simple computer games that were on your um, your desktop at home um, things like that webkins were becoming really big, and so more and more digital content, the internet games that kind of thing were more readily at Charlie's disposal than they were for even Grace. And so, you know, suddenly the electronic babysitter, it wasn't just the TV that babysat the kids. It was like, here, play this game. I mean, I literally have a picture of Charlie. He is about two years old, and he is playing with his sibling's leapster, and he could play that thing for hours if we hadn't said, okay, no. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal, except that at two years old, they kids that age don't really have an attention span like that. Uh, You know, they parallel play. They don't interact that much with other things. They're exploring. They're moving around. uh, You know, once they're starting to get to be, like, two and a half, three, they might be falling in love with a specific thing. Um, but Charlie was engrossed from an early age. So he has always been a gamer, a uh, somebody that's been interested in that dynamic of, you know, interactive computer stuff. So, um, oh, he's here. Eric, will you let him in? Thank you. So, uh Anyway, he would then grow into a kid that built his own computer, and he's actually built a couple computers, and he is super tech savvy. Now, all of that is well and good, except that you suddenly realize the things that he missed out on because we let him do that. And so that's the conversation that I want to have with Charlie today about that because I know there's the things that – I've learned and then hi Charlie hi. come on in put the headphones on remember no cursing
2: Understood.
1: fist distance from the mic okay okay and you can, can move the mic if you want
2: yeah let me just okay that's comfortable perfect okay oh and I see you brought me my favorite
1: I did I brought you a fresca
2: perfect thank you so much
1: of course okay so I was uh, telling listeners a little bit about you and how when you were younger, you are the uh, the last of four that, you know, partly nature, partly nurture. Uh, you were always kind of like having to tag along because older siblings were doing stuff and that you really wanted nothing more in the world than to be able to stay at home and hang out, play computer games. And I was saying I literally have a picture of you at two years old, playing a Leapster on Uncle Peter's stomach at the this holidays. That's true.
2: I remember a lot of good Leapster games. Shout out to Sonic Pinball on <laughs> Leapster. If anybody ever played that, I think I might have been the only person to ever play that game.
1: Well, so I, you and I have been, you know, as you've taken this quarter off from school, we've been having some interesting conversations then about, you know, the good and bad of You being somebody that is a gamer or that is like had access to the Internet and those kinds of things. So I was saying that, you know, um, it's partly obviously how you are and what your interests are. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably a little bit of that ADHD, the hyper focus that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also the nurture, you know, uh, with having three other kids that were so busy and you were like, I'll just sit here quietly and play this. It was like awesome. Great. Right. And yet with that, I'm like, hmm, I have some regrets about that um, in terms of like breaking my own rule, which, you know, of all my Staceyisms, like the, you know, the Ten Commandments, if you will, that I have. And I think I'm up to like a thousand. Um, the number one golden rule for me is do the work. And that means for parents, like, do the work. Yes, you're going to have to ask your kids if they wash their hands after they went to the bathroom like a million times, but do the work. And so I broke my own rule of do the work with you in reflection because I realized that in not having you and not forcing you essentially to do your homework downstairs – To come downstairs and set the table or, you know, just to be in the kitchen with the rest of the family, you missed out on some opportunities to learn how to do those things, connection with family, uh, the dynamics where, you know, we would all have conversations and you were like, well, when did we decide this? And Mm -hmm. we were like, well, while we were making dinner. And, you know, I think that continued to make you feel left out, Mm -hmm. um, And I think life skills, um, you know, you have in the past said, well, how come you didn't teach me how to cook? And it's like, well, we didn't teach anybody how to cook. Mm -hmm. We would just say, you know, hey, help chop this and help chop that. Um, And so I think that's one thing that I regret. And then the other thing is I think the Internet ended up introducing you to some – Alternative viewpoints on things like politics, masculinity, sexuality, um, like, I don't know, all kinds of worldview stuff. And Mm -hmm. as you've learned, I don't think Dad and I are open to all kinds of viewpoints. That's not the the point. It's just that some of these things, there should have been, in hindsight, a foundation of what our beliefs were as a family. And then you go explore, learn, and make some decisions for yourself Mm -hmm. versus I feel like you ended up.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, m- from my perspective, it was like, I was very much like a very online person. I kind of knew what was going on in like the, the grander internet at all times. And I think part of that is because it's just something that's interesting to me because it's like, you are so connected to everything. But like when, when a lot, you know, you hear like the old thing that like, you know, kids kind of make fun of it, but parents are like, video games and the internet, they're going to rot your brain, right? Uh-huh. And like, not literally, like your brain isn't going to melt. But like, I have the ability to look back and see like those formative years and see that in a way it kind of does rot your brains because like there's studies but also just firsthand like your dopamine receptors and all these things, they change and because like the internet is like, and you know the thing about like attention spans, right? Like it's crazy, I've seen a lot of videos of like where people feel like they're losing their mind because you can scroll through an app like TikTok because videos are getting shorter and shorter Mm -hmm. and you can go from seeing like a clip of like a revolution that's happening in China and then you could scroll and now you're seeing like an Amazon ad. Right. And like, like, it's just so like, it's information overload. Nobody's brain is supposed to be able to handle that. And anytime you're seeing something that maybe you should be absorbing or is actually significant information, which is kind of the beautiful part of the internet, it's going to be erased because immediately you're going to scroll and see a thousand other things. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you're not absorbing it as much as you should. I think that's definitely the case. And like, that's a, that's a big argument about um, why like parents don't like, like let their kids on TikTok, partly because the, that's a, there's a whole other issue of like the algorithm of a lot of these sites and that's where I kind of get into like the viewpoints you're talking about is I think a lot of it has to do with algorithms but also just age like when you're impressionable the algorithms that these things have of re- recommending mm-hmm. it's a rabbit hole right like you get you get recommended one video and it's not very extreme but it's somebody that's being like you think like disagreeable mm-hmm. and then you interact with you like on it maybe you comment it and bam now the algorithms remembers that and it's going to keep showing you and it it'll it almost ups the extreme and Nature when you're of the content yeah exactly and when you're an impressionable you know kid or you know teenager whatever age it may be it's really easy to let the algorithm essentially rule your, your world your worldview because whatever you click on next that's going to be your new opinion you know what i mean right um so yeah i mean the internet is definitely a really scary crazy thing with the and like i think that moderating that is good because You know, this is not an isolated to me issue. There's a lot of people that have had to get pulled out of, like, um, it's like you have to unlearn things that you learned because you're just, you know, internet information overload. You have to unlearn a lot of the things that essentially your algorithm or For You page or whatever it is that you're using has, like, instilled in you. And what's really scary is um, I was, I made, like, a video on TikTok, and it was, like, one of the things in it is there was, like, a, like if you you remember on like uh, Nintendo consoles how you can make your little me avatars, right? yeah And I made one and I was like, it was of a famous rapper, right? And it actually was, did really well on TikTok and I had some people that were like commenting like, oh, I want a tutorial on it. So I made a second account to post stuff like, you know, tutorial, the tutorial on how to make this me character that looks like this rapper. But I, I made a fresh TikTok account to post that but I was curious a little bit. I was like, what is a fresh TikTok account that's never be- liked anything, interact with anything What ends up on your page? And it took me like four scrolls to find like pretty far, extreme, you know, right wing content. Interesting. And if you're a kid, because you only have to be 13 to download TikTok, Mm -hmm. think about like, especially if you don't really understand the concept like masculinity and stuff like that. And these Mm -hmm. people are these people that make this content, they often I mean, they're not going to portray themselves to be they portray themselves as winners. Right. Right. I'm the one who has the material possessions and all this stuff. Right. So if you're 13, you're like, this guy gets it. Because he has everything I want, you know what I mean?
1: Right. He's got um, good looks. He's got like a killer bod. He's yeah. got like you know all the stuff that I want.
2: And it and it's and it's hard to sift through all of it because there is some genuinely good advice for like young men out there about like being in control of like um like feeling like you're in control of your life. You know what I mean? Like there's a very there's a like a healthy masculinity and then there's like the toxic masculinity that a lot of people talk about and like it's good to be in control of your financial situation. It's good to be in control of, like, feel like you, you know, I think it's it's a good thing to keep regular exercise and a good diet because there's science that says, but they'll they'll say that, but then they'll throw it in with their little extreme viewpoints. So they're saying things that aren't necessarily bad sometimes, but then they'll, like, sprinkle in some of their own, like, and so then you think, well, if what they're saying about, you know, exercise and all this stuff is reasonable and, like, you know, it it agrees with, like, the medical establishment, then everything else must be reasonable. Like, this is just a reasonable person.
1: And do you find that, you know, I know it's something that uh, we've talked about, like, your worldview, you know, back when you were in, like, middle school going into high school. I mean, do you find that you are still uh, prone to that kind of thing? Like, I know when you were at school for freshman year, uh, you know, you were going through uh, a phase about, you know, being healthy and fit and these kinds of things. And was that influenced by, do you think, what you were seeing on the internet? Was it influenced by your peers that were at school with you?
2: Um, that, it's like, it's it's weird because I don't really remember that time in my life. And I've tried to, like, think about, like, why I don't remember these things in my life. And I think maybe it's like a suppression thing is kind of what, like, you know how, like, memory suppression, you, yep. you suppress things that I honestly couldn't really tell you about, like, how it all connected And that's also the other scary thing is I think that also is partly due to like the content itself is it's not memorable. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you watch a movie Mm -hmm. and it's like a well-made, well-directed movie and it actually has a profound impact on the way you view the world. You can watch, you know, a movie's worth of TikToks, but you won't remember any of them. You know what I mean? Right. And I wouldn't even say movies are the most productive thing you can do. I mean, not that it's you always have to be productive, but like just compare like the type of content. You know what I mean? Right. In the same amount of time, you could watch a movie that maybe really makes you think and forces you to engage, or read a book that really, you you could see a thousand TikToks, and you'll you'll like look at all the stuff you liked, and you're like, I saw that, I don't even remember watching that.
1: Well, and it seems like you know things like TikTok, you know, it's like if you you know break it down, it's like. Hacks to make your house look cleaner. And it's like, so it's sending a message of like, you're not clean enough, go get this stuff, buy this, buy that. Mm -hmm. Or hacks to look more beautiful or hacks to get, you know, killer abs or hacks to uh, be taller or hacks, you know, for your skincare or hacks for style, Um, you know, all these different things. It seems like, you know, you're this generation of, of kids that are absorbing all of this, it's like sometimes there isn't a hack. You literally just have to like go through life and experience it and do the work. It goes back to my, you know, that golden rule Staceyism that I have of like, you just have to do the work.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's definitely a sense that like when you're seeing other people, it's really easy to compare yourself, which is, that's not like a bold thing to say, right? Like everybody says that. But people don't really understand like when you're being constantly told this is what you should be doing even if your skin for example doesn't really look that bad it's pretty healthy skin and you're you can go to the dermatologist and they say it looks healthy these people that really dedicate their like accounts to skin health and all this stuff maybe they have good advice but it sends you a subconscious message of like be better be better be, be. you know even when a doctor can tell you you're you're good you're healthy you're within healthy range but you can always be better is what you're thinking right like right so it's like, it's it's weird because it's like stuff that in content that can be skewed toward helpful can also be harmful in a weird way.
1: I totally believe that. I mean, yeah. I've talked about uh, before that, you know, like I've struggled with uh, controlling my weight over the years. Uh, I could be a, a healthier weight. I know that. Uh, I remember, though, a really pivotal moment. I was doing Weight Watchers at the time, which, you know, okay. Uh, And I remember going to bed one night and thinking like, man, I can't wait to eat those 17 almonds. And I had this epiphany of like, oh my gosh, that is as harmful as me going to bed, berating myself for eating a sleeve of Oreos.
2: Yeah, I mean, health is like a really, it's a very complicated subject and a lot of people isolate health to one thing and not, you know what I mean? Like health is, a, it's a lifestyle.
1: Well, and and, it's and definitely it. body, mind and spirit. And yeah. like that mind piece, you know, I I just wanted to talk about the, you know, the influence that the the Internet and like digital content has had on your mind. And so then how that impacts the mental health thing,
2: mm-hmm. which then
1: impacts like health overall. Um, let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, let's continue the conversation. Oh, 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 oh,
0: Stacy Heller is many things: entertaining, yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolfe, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth, Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses. And ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to stacyconnects.com. Stacy Connects. It's her superpower. Talk Radio with a Purpose, Alternative Talk 1150.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to Stacy Connects. I am your host Stacy Heller. I am joined today by my son Charles aka Charlie aka Chuck muckles that's me that's you uh hey by the way listeners if anybody knows how to go to YouTube and get content so Charlie had an account that he made years ago
2: uh, 2015 uh, yeah so I would have been like I'm trying to do the math like like I, I think I was like 13
1: 14 you right were because yeah. you were born in 2002, sweetie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he had this great channel and then he deleted it because, you know, it's like, uh, whatever. And so now it's probably in the YouTube vault somewhere and he would like to get that content back. So if anybody knows how to do that, uh, yeah, let I'm, me know.
2: Yeah, I-, I deleted a bunch of videos. The account's still up. You can find it. It's Chuck Space Muckles. There's nothing interesting there, but, um, <laughs> but I deleted, like, so many videos because, you know, at the time it's, like, embarrassing. Like, I make Minecraft videos. It's, like, you know, people people are like, that's weird. But, like, in hindsight, like, I actually put a lot of effort into them. So I'm, like, trying to see if I can, like, and contact they were good. Google. Like, they must be somewhere in, like, a server. Like, they can't be permanently gone. I, I refuse to believe they're permanently well,
1: gone. Well, and and now you look at things like, you know, some of the content that you watch now, like, critical. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, people that are talking about, like, games or how to get through levels or this kind of thing. Like, you know, you have always been on top of things. Um so, okay, so back to the like this is this is both a uh, an episode that is sort of like a, hey, parents, be aware. Um, and also like, you know, don't berate yourself over the choices that you've made um, because there's really no point and it's never too late to be engaged with, your kids and to have conversations about this. Like an open dialogue is just so much better. Um, And I just I realized that, Charlie, you have always been so freaking articulate that, you know, you would come home from school and you're like, I did my homework on the bus and we would look in, you know, the family access where you can check your kids stuff. And like everything was turned in. Your teachers all liked you. You were involved. Like, your grades were good. all the things that are supposed to be the markers of, you know, is your kid doing what they're supposed to do? And so then you run out of excuses as a parent for why your kid can't go upstairs and, you know, blow off some end-of-the-workday steam playing a game. And then the next thing you know is it's, like, two hours later, and I've been busy with the other kids doing homework or making dinner or life. And it's, like... Holy cow, you've now missed out on all of this time uh, with the family and, you know, participating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, question, now that I have you here, mm-hmm. how much of that is uh, youngest kid to youngest kid? How much of that do you think is also like awareness and manipulation?
2: Like, how do you mean like?
1: Like, you know, as the youngest, I was, I always knew how to like, Get out of things and how to manipulate a situation so that I could do as much or little as I wanted.
2: Well, I mean, to this day, I still very much have like the minimize work, maximize output. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, it's satisfying for me to like problem solve in that way. Um, manipulation, probably some of it there. Like, because I, I, again, I like to minimize work. I mean, I still have that to this day where I just, like, I'm, I'm very much in the work smart camp, not the work hard camp. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, hey, it, it serves like you well because I think, I mean, my brother, he always like talks about how he's gonna write a book one day about how like laziness drives innovation, you know. And I think there's something to that because like I I may, had a lot of creative solutions to like get things done because mm-hmm. it's I didn't want to do it, you know. Like I don't know why I, I think there's like a reason I talked to like when I was when I was going to therapy a lot. We had talked about how it's not uncommon for somebody with like ADHD like I have to have the smallest, maybe even like, doesn't even take that much time task, be the most mundane and difficult task to do. <laughs> like responding to an email or a text can be really difficult for it, some reason. It
1: is brutal, I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you on this.
2: So when you're getting like a steady flow of homework, you know, like I, I really, my brain was like, we gotta do this a better way, you know. Uh, um, And sometimes, you know, you just can't get around it. You just gotta power through. And that was always really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, When it was like, I there's no like, quick way to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely try to find shortcuts for things. And some would say it's a weakness. Some would say it's a strength. I think it just depends on the situation. If, if something can be done quicker without sacrificing the quality, I don't really see a problem with that. But it definitely also, you know, sometimes your learning suffers a little.
1: And then how much would you say, uh, I mean, I've talked a bunch on the show about my own ADHD. I've shared uh, with listeners that you know, few of my kids have it. That it's something that it's it's typically genetic. I mean, one could argue. Actually, we all have some amount, especially in a society that you know, TikTok videos are what mm-hmm. fifteen seconds. It's, um, it's
2: it's one thing I will say is I know there's that a lot of people saying there's like a big overdiagnosis in boys in particular. Mm-hmm. I don't know how tr- true this is, but I had just seen that there's a lot of like kind of. What what people would say normal behaviors for like mm-hmm. in a society where everything is so instant gratification, uh, there's a lot of mislabeling. And that was something I was worried about is like, am I really ADHD? Um, and I guess there's no like way to really know. But I, I, I think it's for at least in my case, I think it's definitely the case. Well, I've had many people concur.
1: Right. Well, and that's been something that you have struggled with because you're also very much a mind over matter type person, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you do research things. And so, you know, I think at times when you're like, okay, you know, they say I have ADHD. However, you know, let me do some research on this. And I don't like the idea of taking these meds. I don't want to have to become reliant on them. um, You know, I don't necessarily like uh, what it does to my personality or my body or my appetite or these kinds of things um uh, you know you challenge more than most um people i think like the the things that you're told which i think is a good thing mm-hmm. and yet at what point it, do you uh, say like all right
2: yeah no i mean what you're saying is true i guess mine is like the frame of understanding of like how i feel about me- the thing about medication is i have no problem with with people medicating themselves for me personally, the challenge I have with it is if I I don't mind taking a little bit of medication for my mental health challenges. The main thing that I I get frustrated about is I wonder how much of my reactions and like my mental health challenges come for are actually maybe just decently reasonable reactions to a very crazy, instant gratification you know complicated world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Maybe a person should be reacting this way. And that makes it sometimes hard for me to be productive in like a traditional sense where like obviously, you know, you want somebody that can be able to finish their tasks in a job or school environment. Right. Yeah. And so in that sense, like having ADHD it kind of hinders your ability. But I feel like if you take away too much of that for myself, then it's like I, I feel like it's almost like turning me into a drone. It's like mm-hmm. if the standard is you get X amount of work done and that's what people want from you, it's like take this medicine and then you'll be productive in in the way that I see fit. And I I am nervous that if I take it so much to where I'm like kind of numb to like my my you know like just zoned in on the task and everything is that too, taking too much away of, of myself and my like semi-reasonable reaction. Because it's never been like, I don't think my reactions with some exceptions like I, I would get panic attacks and that kind of thing, but like,
1: well, that's other mental health issues. Th- yeah. That's a,
2: that's a whole separate thing. Right. But like, um, I don't know, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but do you kind of get what I mean? Where it's No, like, I
1: totally, I totally do. And you know, when everybody has to make a decision for themselves about what they're comfortable with and you know, like how much of a certain med they take and you know, how do they feel? I know the girls have changed up their meds before because they're like, okay, turns out I do need to take something, uh, so I'm just going to turn down the volume or I'm going to try something different or whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, I think searching for answers and, you know, exploring those things are good. Uh, and yet, you know, I think that it's the that this generation of the echo chamber mm-hmm. and the Internet and, you You know, I know you and I have talked in the past about how, like, you would get something in your head and you would find all of this information to support it. However, I can also, like, have a view and find information to support it. Like, Mm -hmm. the internet has everything out there.
2: There's a term that a lot of people use. It's, like, it's kind of, like, people call each other it kind of to make fun of But it's called chronically online. And it's when their, like, opinions or takes are, like, they're so, like, Internet influenced and based, that it's like if, if you met this person in real life, they would sound just like, What are you even talking about? You know what right, I mean? Right. So that's the challenge, right? Is I mean, a part of it is because I was spending so much time on the internet, but also because I wasn't spending any time outside. And the outside world and with your friends is a good influence, obviously, as long as they're good friends and they treat you, respe- but like it's good to go- literally go outside. Like, you right. know what I mean? Because you, when you're only getting opinions from the internet, where the internet is such an extreme place, everybody's throwing all these things at you. You get become chronically online, is is like, right? Quite literally, like chronically online. All of your opinions are from the internet, where it's like when you go out in reality, nobody really has these opinions, or most reasonable like people are somewhere in between. You know what I mean? Like right. So
1: so I remember when you know you'd go to PTA parenting things, and they would talk about like you know the addiction of these things. Would you say that it is? an addiction or would you say it's an indoctrination?
2: I would say it, for me personally, I can only speak for myself. It was somewhere in between where it was fun to, to like, cause it was content, right? They still make it, even though it's supposed to influence you and kind of indoctrinate you, mm-hmm. it's still entertaining content, right? So it's like, the thing is you shouldn't have these people educating you you should have educators educating you you know what i mean um so there's definitely like elements of like indoctrination and like you know people have written books on like how to indoctrinate people and they use elements of that like process of indoctrination in their content Mm -hmm. um but it's not obvious to you because it feels like it's entertainment Um,
1: what's interesting is that i've had guests on before who talk about um you know how community and connection is really uh, the greatest um, help for people with addiction, right? So a yeah. sense of community um, and that connection. What's interesting is that for a lot of kids, young adults, adults, the internet, the the very thing they're addicted to is the community, and it turns out that it's not the help they need.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. There's there's like d- communities on, you know, you can meet people on games and on platforms and all these things and it can be really um, damaging but you you think these are my friends you know what I mean right so it's like you don't you're not gonna you don't see it as a threat you see it that's how they get so close to you you yeah, know what I mean
1: totally well I mean you're my son so I could talk to you forever and uh, the nice thing is I am proud to say I don't have to have you on the radio to have conversations with you you actually will talk to me in real life so Thank you, though, for coming on the show today.
2: Absolutely. We
1: are, of course, uh, or sadly, out of time. I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to the show wherever you find uh, your podcasts. Next week's guest is Denise Perkins. Stay connected, everybody.